and to share the word of God. Once again, we want to acknowledge all our guests and say you are welcome to worship with us today. Um, if you are listening online, I want to say welcome and God bless you. This is a declaration by faith. I don't know if anyone is doing anything online. <laughs> What's that? It's about to start. Woo. That sounds familiar. All right. Well, I think this has been a great or rather an interesting week. It's been a great week so far. I mean, so far, no. A great year so far. It's been a great year so far. Come on, look at your neighbors and tell them, I'm glad I'm in 2017. You know, somebody died last week and you're alive. I know it's a, that's a very chirpy uh, statement to make, but uh, we've got a lot to be thankful for, you know. Uh, sometimes, you know, things don't go the way you would want it to go and you feel like things are really hard for you. But somebody's got it worse than you have. Amen. It's amazing. We are in our third Sunday. Is it our third Sunday or fourth? Third? Third Sunday? Yeah? Fourth. Is it the fourth? It's the fourth. You see? It's the fourth Sunday. Look at you. you it's gone so fast, you've missed one. Remember, first of, um, first of uh, January was a Sunday. Who said service? Did I say, is it our third service or our fourth Sunday? I never said service. Yeah. It's our fourth Sunday. It's amazing, isn't it? Time is flying fast. That's why you must get a hold of what God is saying to you. All right. I want us to continue to vision cast. And uh, I want to really share with you about how you fulfill God's vision for your life. How you fulfill God's vision for your life. Um, originally, I had prepared to continue what I was teaching last week. And uh, I said to Fola, don't worry. It's the same notes as today's, uh, last week's one. I'm all ready. And then um, I had a, as I was praying, I had this unveiling and I saw different points and I realized that, oh, okay, I should just share differently. So I want to share with you how to fulfill your vision or how to shine in 2017. Isaiah 60 verse 1, our text, arise, shine, for your light has come, your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. We have already said a lot about this year, but I want to re-emphasize some things that 2017 is your year for shining. I said 2017 is your year for shining. These um, sermons are really encouragements and prophetic provocations to speak to you about what God is saying for your life. It is so easy for you to get focused or bogged down with what you're going through and miss what God is saying to you. I am believing that for many of you and for many of us in the body of Christ, 2017 will be a supernatural year, a year of the supernatural where you will begin to be confident in how you operate in the supernatural. This gospel is supernatural. We should be seeing attestations of the manifest power of God in our lives. It shall be a year of breakthrough for those of you who continue to hold on in faith with what God has said to you. Amen. I do not believe you should allow 
this year to be a year that dictates failure and defeat for you. It's not the move of the God, it's just gas, you know? So just stay focused. Amen. I mean, it's like, what's that? Is that the anointing? Don't worry. When the, when the wind of the Spirit blows, it will be more powerful than that. That's just gas, all right? Okay, so let me share with you how to shine and fulfill the vision that God has for you in 2017. And as we do this, I want to also get you to focus on how we as a church can shine. So I have eight points, but today I'm only going to address three of them. So I'm going to go through my eight points, and then I'll address three, and then next week I will conclude with the rest. Number one, if you want to shine and fulfill God's vision for your life this year, you must understand your mission. You must understand your mission. I'll come back to that. Number two, you must understand your vision. So firstly, you understand your mission, why you exist, why you are alive. And secondly, you understand your vision, what you are supposed to do with your life. Number three, you narrow your emphasis as you pursue your vision. You narrow your emphasis as you pursue your vision. Number four, you make yourself available to serve the interests of your vision. Make yourself available to serve the interests of your vision. I don't think those are up there. Number five, focus on specific goals that contribute towards your vision. Focus on specific goals. Number six, be willing to invest financially to support your vision. Be willing to put your money where your mouth is. And number seven, commit to daily prayer and consecration. Commit to daily prayer and consecration. If you want to fulfill the vision that God has placed upon your heart. Commit to daily prayer and consecration. And finally, number eight, make yourself accountable for your commitments and for your goals. Make yourself accountable. Now, I'm sure you could mention other things that can help you, but I want to focus on these eight because I kind of saw in my spirit as I was, uh, uh, I thought I'd already had the message, I kind of saw some of these things. So I feel like I should just remind you of some of these simple truths. The first point, understand your mission. Your mission speaks of your purpose, why you are alive, why you are here. Your mission is the answer to the question of your life. Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 to 14, Paul the apostle says, not that I have already attained or I'm already perfected or matured or complete, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus laid hold of me. I am pressing on to possess the reason why I was saved. Beloved, there is, as you've heard me say many times, a reason why you are alive. In the mind of God, in the wisdom of God, in the genius of God, you are necessary to be alive in this time because your life answers somebody's question. Your life solves 
somebody's problem. You are necessary. Say to your neighbor, I am necessary. He says, I am pressing on to lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus laid hold of me. I believe that in 2017, as you shine, you will begin to enter into the why of your life. The why of your life. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, verse 13. But this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. Such an important principle. Learning to forget the past. Learning not to allow past failures or successes to determine how you pursue God and his purpose for your life. Because some of the past are great. Memories of the past, some of the things that happened in the past are very good. And some people, they live in the past. They are what I call in my book, Freedom from a Poverty Mindset. Past-oriented. They live in the past. And so they like to talk about school days. You know, when I was in school, I was a champion at this. I was the victor at that. I was the boss of this. When I was in school, you're not in school anymore. You're not in school anymore. They like to boast about how when they were younger, they had six-pack. And their muscles were, you're not young anymore. You're an older person. Amen. So forget about the past. Because if you think of the past, you wouldn't even bother doing any more exercise. <sighs> When I was younger, I could run. Uh, my friend, just start walking. Just start walking now. Amen. Hallelujah. So sometimes your past victories can be a hindrance. And sometimes your past failures can really hamper you. You look at your performance in the past and you know that was bad. And because of that, you decide what's the point of moving forward. But like Paul, he says, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal, or sorry, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call or the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And this is so important that you understand why you're here. You are not here to be limited by what you've gone through or by what you are facing now. You are here to press into your high calling. Say, I have a high calling. Say, I have a high calling. Come on, say, I have a high calling. You have a high calling. You were not made to be beaten up by life and circumstances, by what the enemy throws at you, by the passions that are within you, that seem to always conquer you. Beloved, you were made for greater things than that. Now, as an individual, you must understand your mission. And as a church, we must understand our mission, why we are here. Any church that God joins you to has a mission. There is a reason why it's there. The other day I was sharing about our mission, and somebody said, but this, is the, this should be the mission of every church. And I said, well, I can't speak for every church. I can only speak for the church that I'm a part of. And our mission is to make disciples of Jesus Christ. Our mission is to know the Lord Jesus and to make him known. That is our mission. That is why we are here. That is the only preoccupation, the primary preoccupation of our focus. Our doctrines, our pursuits, our uh, desire to serve others and help others and be a blessing. 
are rooted in this one objective is to know the Lord Jesus and to make him known. Or as we say, to make disciples. The second thing, if you want to um, shine in 2017, is to identify your vision. Many times people confuse vision and mission. They think it's the same. It's not the same. In Proverbs 29, 18, he says, where there is no vision or revelation, as the New King James puts it, the people perish. But he that keeps the law, happy is he. In other words, when any man or woman does not have vision governing their life, their life is lived outside of the boundaries of God's law. But when you have a vision governing your life, then God's law governs your life and you are blessed. Therefore, happy are you. There is a scripture that says this, the way of the transgressor is hard. And what that implies is this, anytime you live your life outside of the boundaries of God's will for your life, things get hard. So whether it's marriage, whether it's finance, whether it's health, whether it's ministry, whether it's your vocation, whether it's how you raise your children, if you do it outside of God's boundaries for your life, things get hard. That is why wisdom teaches us to discover God's word for our lives and to live our lives according to what God's word says. Because in that is our success and in that is our prosperity. Can you say amen? So, what is the vision of God for your life? What is the vision of God for your, for your life? And let me tell you this. Nobody can answer that for you except you. I have seen people live their lives without vision. Well-meaning, but without God's vision. I'm not talking about your own personal vision that you concocted because you want to make money. That is, that is something... But I'm talking about the vision that God has for you. The things that God wants you to, to give your energy and strength to. And beloved, they are married to the desires of your heart. Especially when your heart is submitted to the will of God. Habakkuk 2, 2 and 3, he says, Then the Lord answered and said to me, answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. For the vision is for an appointed time. But at the end it will speak and it will not lie. Beloved, the vision concerning your life, as you pursue it, it will speak in the end. Even though at times as you pursue the vision, it looks as if everything is going against it. When God gives you a vision, the instruction is write the vision and make it plain on tablets. Why tablets? Because when it's etched in tablets, it cannot be moved. It cannot be erased. It is established. He's, it's like he's saying, make sure the vision is burnt in your heart. And make it plain upon tablet. Make it easy to understand. So that the person who reads that vision will run, will be motivated, will be energized. I see you running with the vision of God for your life. Motivated and energized. 
not worn out and beaten up. Hallelujah. The other day, the enemy attacked one of our churches. And I said, no, 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 no. You're not having this church. This church belongs to CLF in the name of Jesus. It belongs to Christ who's given it to CLF to look after. So, and I'm part of that church. So you can't have it. So I put an embargo. So that church remains. Yeah. You must recognize what belongs to you. The vision that God has called you to. The thing that you see in your heart. You must take a hold of it. You must claim it as yours. You must refuse to allow anything or anybody to take it from you. The other day I was with, with um, Pastor Olu and, and uh, if I, the other day was yesterday. I was with Pastor Olu and, uh, and uh, his wife. He only has one wife, Tola. And we were enjoying uh, the new arrival. We were just enjoying her. And then I remembered how they had gone for a very challenging time. And it looks as if they could never have a child. And I remembered the prophetic words that were coming, telling him he's going to have a child. Don't worry, you're going to have a child. And at the time, it looked like it was a big failure. But you see, when the vision comes to pass, you tend to forget. Now, I'm not saying they forgot anything. They didn't forget anything. But you tend to forget the pain you went through. I see you forgetting your pain. I see you forgetting your sorrow as you pursue the vision of God for your life. He says, at the end it will speak, it will not lie. You see, the vision God gives you says something. It will not lie if you remain faithful to it. He says, mighty man of valor. But you look at yourself and say, man, I'm not sure about that. Just declare it, I'm a mighty man of valor. Ladies, you can also say, I'm a mighty man of valor. Because in Christ, there's neither male nor female. But if you want to be really perfect, you can also say, I'm a mighty woman of valor. That's equally acceptable. Of course, if a man says, I'm a mighty woman of valor, says, though it tarries, wait for it, because it will surely come. It will not tarry. Listen, every vision God gives you has a waiting period. Every vision, and depending on its significance, sometimes it's a long period. God gave Abraham a vision for his descendants that meant he had to die, and it would be fulfilled 400 years later. How many of you, you want to see your vision fulfilled 400 years later? 400 years, and, and look at this. When the 400 year came, the vision wasn't fulfilled. Do you know why? Because there is one thing that they were not doing. They were not praying the vision through. You have to read Exodus carefully. So after 400 years, they were, the vision still wasn't accomplished. Because the people of God were not lifting up their prayers to God to do what God had to do. That's why number, number seven, I think, is this number seven? Was it number eight or number seven? Which one is it? One of them is that you must commit to prayer, prayer and consecration. Is it seven? Seven, the perfect number. Seven. Commit to daily prayer. Say to your neighbor, daily prayer. Let me tell you something. 
Any vision God gives you, you must add prayer to it. After the 400th year, nothing had happened. It took another 30 years before the vision began to be fulfilled. Why? Because it needed other things to fuel it. So although your vision seems to be tiring, God has spoken something to you. But when you look at your life right now, you cannot see it. I tell you, though it tarries, wait for it. I said, though it tarries, wait for it. I said, though it tarries, wait for it. It will surely come to pass. The privilege I have of walking with the Lord for about 34 years and a bit is that I have seen over periods of time things that seem that will never happen, happen because it had time. I see you fulfilling your vision in Jesus' name. So, you must identify the vision of God for your life. You have to. There are things inside of you that God has placed there. Some of it can be so natural. Like, let's say, God has placed it in your heart to complete your, your studies. That's a vision. That's a minor vision, but it's a vision nonetheless because he put it there. Or God has placed it in your heart to sing a song. Some of us, to sing a song is a major thing. We're not like Matthew who comes and just, the will not hold you, the grave, just even, you feel the power. You try, if I try, the will not hold you, it will not have the same. You see, even you are laughing, that's what I'm saying it. But when Matthew does, the will not hold you, think, mm, there, is, there is some anointing. There is. You see, because... There are years of practice. You think you can just say, dear fool, no, hold you. And you're like, no, no. There are years of practice. Sometimes you try, dear, and you went, dear. Yeah, there are years of practice. So sometimes when you see somebody moving in their vision, you don't know the price they have paid. They stand and then, and you think, me too, give me that instrument. No. <laughs> Hallelujah. So identify the vision. And this is why, and I'm not plugging my books, but hey, let's just go for it. This is why I want to encourage you to read that book, Discovering Purpose Through Goal Setting. Because if you read it prayerfully, it will really help you discover God's vision for your life. And it will help you how to fulfill it and you will also help us in achieving our goals in mission. Because that money goes to mission that you bought it for. Maybe I should, I should consider. No, that, that goes to missions. Amen. So, identify the vision of God for your life. But now listen. Identify the vision of God for your church. Let me tell you. Every local church has a vision God has for it. Our vision here is to be a growing citywide church. In the borough of Grange, a growing citywide family church committed to making disciples in this borough. That's our vision. That's why we're here. So we want to be growing. We know we are citywide. We know we are family-oriented. But you might be hearing all of that, and it just sounds like words to you. You don't understand why should we be growing. We should be happy as we are. Somebody said, why do you want to be growing? Because of two reasons. Number one, because there are millions in our city that do not know Christ. Millions. And in this borough alone, thousands, hundreds of thousands, I reckon over 100,000, don't know the Lord. 
You can't tell me that there is, there is 100,000 born-again believers in this borough. Because their presence will be felt. I don't even think there's 10%. There might be 10% church goers, but born-again Holy Ghost filled. Even in our church here, I am not sure how many of us here are Holy Spirit filled. I'm not saying you're not going to heaven. I'm not touching your insurance policy. You know, I'm not saying that. But moved by the Spirit, led by the Spirit, confident with the leadership of the Holy Spirit over their life, I'm not sure. But 2017, you begin to be confident in the leadership of the Spirit over your life. So our vision is to be a growing, Christ-centered, city-wide family church. Growing because souls need to be saved. Secondly, because souls need to be discipled. People need to be discipled. And also, there are Christians right now that are looking for this church, and they can't find it. Now, they don't know they're looking for this church. They just say, I'm looking for a church. How many of you were looking for a church? You didn't know it was this church, but you ended up here. Come on. Look, raise your hand. You see? You are proof why our vision exists. You were looking for a church. I am sure if you had initially seen this church, you would have said, no, we'll move, move, move it. Ah. I don't like the color scheme here. Move it quickly. Come on. Ah. Color scheme. Why is it citywide? Because it draws from across this city and the south of England. I don't even live in this city. And I started living. You see, when, I, when we started this church, I was living in this borough. I was a Charltonite. I lived in Charlton. I enjoyed Charlton. I, I was brought, I, I, didn't, I didn't always live in this area. First time I came to this area, it looked very strange. It felt very weird. Uh, if, you, uh, if you were born here, don't, I, I've lived longer than you, even if you were born here, some of you. But the first time I came here, in the 80s, in the 80s. How many of you, you've been here before the 80s? Yeah, all right, I know you have been, mate, because I've known you for a long time. But most of you, how many of you live here, though? How many of you now live here? In Charlton, Charlton, anyone in Charlton? Aha, I've lived there longer than you. But you see, here's the point. When I came here, the atmosphere was very strange. In fact, I wanted to run back to Southwest. Southwest seemed very nice. How many of you are from the Southwest? Yeah, you see? Southwest, how many of you like the Southwest? I've noticed people, when they're buying houses, they tend to buy in the southwesterns. My friend, we need people buying houses in Greenwich. Look at you. Where is your faith? Money shouldn't dictate. Listen, if money dictated, we would... Anyway, let's move on. So, citywide, we drove from across... The city. That's what God has put on this church. That from across this city and this region, we draw people in, we equip them so that they can be effective where they, from where they're coming from. So actually, if you are part of this church, one of the mandates on your life is that you are effective where you're coming from. Yeah. Before we ever had the church here, I used to have a cell group in Stockwell. But I had members of myself coming from Thamesmead. Some of them came from Charlton, some from Thamesmead, some from Bexley. Now, can you imagine if I never had that cell group? Some of you wouldn't be saved today. Because it's because of that cell group that I came here 
And because of that cell group, that the church was started here. And so for some of you, there is a mandate on your life that as we equip you, eventually you become salt and light where you are because of what you received here. Why are we Christ-centered? Simple. Because everything that we are about is interpreted through the lens of the revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is our vision. Why are we family-oriented? Again, because we know that society is built and established on the family unit. And so the biblical revelation of family has to be taught well because the enemy has bled it. Now, if you say something like this, the husband is the head of the wife, you could lose church members. So you are wondering, what am I actually saying? According to the Bible, which I agree with, the husband is the head of the wife. So yesterday, I was with some church leaders, and they asked me this question. They said, so how do you lead your wife when, at times, your wife disagrees with you? Now, these were male, male church leaders. You say, Why, what's the difference? These days, you can be with church leaders who are male, and they are... Not, they don't have wives. They're married, but they don't have wives. They have husbands. So that's why we have to be clear. Are you still here? So they asked me, how does a husband lead his wife? When especially the wife does not agree with something. How is he still the head? I said, very simple. As the head of your house, you lead your wife to do what you want her to do by your example. So as they see your example, so if you want your wife, because I said, how do I get my wife to submit to me? Husbands, you want to know this revelation? Or just keep quiet if you're sitting next to your wife. <laughs> how do I get my wife to submit to me? I said, very simple, by submitting to her first. When she sees how you submit to her, she will learn how to submit. I didn't hear any amen from any brother. I'm not sure if the ladies even understood what I just said, because you should be very happy right now. They were like, they were like, mm. I said, because in the kingdom of God, it is servant leadership. You lead through serving. So you want to get married, get ready to submit. So we believe that the family unit is the basic building blocks and we must bring a proper revelation of family life. How to love your wife, how to love your husband, how to serve your wife, how to serve your husband, how to bring up your children, how to mentor your sons and discipline your sons and love your sons and your daughters. For instance, the goal of every father, if they have a daughter, is to raise them up, to give them away. That's the biblical order. Some of these fathers who have daughters, you need to hear that. You have to give your daughter away one day. Amen. <laughs> but this is our vision. This is what, what we are seeking to be about, to achieve, to be a growing citywide Christ-centered family church that is committed to making disciples. And there are certain key drivers that are governing this. One, how we worship God. Two, how we serve people. Three, how we preach the gospel. 
Four, how we build our fellowship. And number five, how we disciple others. And this is what, you see, I like this. You see, worship, ministry, evangelism, fellowship, discipleship. These are the drivers behind everything that you see us doing. And what I'm trying to say is, is this. Whatever vision you are given to is connected to that vision. I'm telling you, your personal vision is connected to that vision. Because as a child of God, God links your prosperity to the prosperity of his house. Yeah. And so, whenever you don't buy into the vision of the house, you are undermining your own vision. You're undermining it. And this is why at times I see, as a pastor, I see people struggling unnecessarily because they have dislocated themselves from the vision of the house. Uh, for me, I've been in CLF for, I was one of the founding members. And so, what, what do we feel now? You are a founding member, but you are supposed to be a pillar. But if you move the thing, it makes no difference to the structure. I said to one pillar of the house, I said, you are supposed to be a pillar. But your presence is not even felt. Pillars, if you move a pillar, the building starts to, you, you come and go as you please and we don't feel it. We don't even know you're around. And you think it's our fault. It's your fault. Because you are supposed to be a pillar. Now, I'm not talking about the young ones. I'm not talking about the growing ones. I'm not talking about the damaged ones. So please, I don't need somebody coming to tell me that's very insensitive. I'm talking about pillars. How many of you are pillars in the house? Uh, after that, I'm no pillar. No way. I'm not going to admit that. And then you say, what am I doing? No. Hey. By faith. How many of you are pillars in the house? Hey! Or how many of you want to be pillars in the house? You know, one of the promises that Jesus gives to the overcomer is that they become a pillar in the house. Yeah. So this is our vision. To be a growing, citywide, Christ-centered, family church committed to making disciples, motivated by our worship. That is loving God wholeheartedly through prayer, through whatever we do, to um, singing songs, through giving, whatever. Another driver, through our service, that is loving people unconditionally. We love people unconditionally. Through our evangelism, what is that? It's preaching the gospel without compromise. Through our fellowship, what is that? It's building the family of God to be vibrant, full of life, and through discipleship. What is that? It's making people to become Christ-like, empowering people to be Christ-like. This is why we're here. And if you buy into that vision, you are investing in your own life. I said you are investing into your own life. So, number one, in 2017, how you shine, let me go through again, you must understand your mission, why you are here. Number two, you must understand or identify your vision. Identify your vision. What you are supposed to do. I tell you, when husbands and wives identify their vision and begin to pray prayer of agreements concerning their vision, there's no devil that can stop you. There's no power that can stop you. I'm telling you. And then number three, narrow your emphasis in your pursuit of vision. As a child of God, you must learn 
to run under certain emphases, certain banners, at certain periods of your, time, of your life. You see, there are certain seasons in your life where God will lay certain things on your heart. So I remember growing up in the faith, there were certain times when God would lay the book of Proverbs on my heart. And it seemed as if in the Bible, the only book that made sense was Proverbs. Other times, it was 1st Samuel, 2nd Samuel, 1st Kings, 2nd Kings, 1st Chronicles, 2nd Chronicles. I would live in those books for years, enjoying the stories of David and Goliath, enjoying the stories of the kings of Israel and the, the rise and fall of the kings of Judah and all of that stuff. I would live in there for seasons. I didn't understand it at the time. Other times, it would be Genesis. I could just enjoy the book of Genesis. There were even the rare occasions, the rare occasions where the prophets seemed to make sense. The rare occasions where Deuteronomy, the book of Deuteronomy and Leviticus and Numbers, I actually enjoyed reading it. Can you imagine? How many of you read the book of Numbers before? How many of you have read the book of Leviticus before? What a powerful book. <laughs> Why? Because these were seasons in my life that God was building things. At first, as a young believer, I didn't understand it. So I would still try and read other books. But I couldn't wait to finish them and then go to Proverbs or go to the book of Acts. Now, for, for instance, for me, for like... Seven, six, seven years, the book that I seemed to have life from was the book of Acts. I would read the book of Acts, I'll listen to the book of Acts over and over and over and over until one day I realized why. Because of the season of God in my life. What am I saying? You must identify the seasons of God in your life because it is in those seasons that you are empowered to fulfill your vision. It is in those seasons that you can, as you understand him, you can pray effectively into things. You can study the word of God effectively. So every year, I like to, before the year ends, in fact, I like to talk to God about years in advance. So I like to talk to, so right now, we've been talking to him about 2018. Uh, in fact, we were doing that from last year. Because for me, God knows the beginning to the end. So I like to talk to him about years and the details and what I'm saying to you is, is this. You must understand what is God saying to my life at this season of my life. Because at a certain time in your life, it's not the time for you to be a cell leader. It's not the time for you to go to Bible school. It's the time for you to look after your children. Or it is the time for you to keep traveling. Or it's the time for you to study. Or it is the time for you to stay at home or to do something. But there are other seasons in your life is the time to go Bible school. Is the time to give yourself to prayer. Is the time to go on missions and so forth. So when you understand the seasons of God in your life, that becomes the banner under which you live your life in that season. Are you listening to me? Now listen carefully. In 2017, you will run under the banner God has ordained for your life. You will discover it and run with focus. 1 Corinthians chapter 9 from verse 21. 1 Corinthians 9 from verse 21. He says, do you not know that those who run in a race all run? Everybody's running. Right now you are running. All are running. But one receives a price. One receives the price. 
Then he says, run in such a way that you may obtain it. What? The price. The price is what God has set before you. Verse 25, and everyone who competes for the price is temperate in all things. Learns to control themselves in everything required for them to achieve that price. He says, verse, he says in that same verse, now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. In other words, with us, when we place restrictions on our lives because of the price ahead of us, we are rewarded for it. You are rewarded for it. Listen, the reward is in your obedience at the time. Not just the outcome. But when you obey God, it's like when God says, go evangelism. How many of you at times you feel like the Spirit says, go evangelism? I'm just asking for that. You feel like the Spirit says, go evangelism. How many of you, you've, you felt at times, that you felt like the Lord is telling you, share your faith with somebody. Can I see? Hey! Some of you, I'm not, so you, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm going to ask the question again. How many of you, since you become a Christian, I'm sorry, how many of you are born again? Can I see? Can I just see? Who, how many are born again? Okay, okay, so I'm clear. Okay, okay. Since you are born again, have you ever felt like God telling you, or you felt, don't even call it God, you felt like something is encouraging you to share your faith with somebody else? Can I see? Wave, 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 wave. Okay. How many of you have never felt that? You've never, you've never felt since you got born again, that God, there's one person, one, one person has raised their hand, God bless you. Yeah, it's, it's a little child who's just stretching. <laughs> Every one of us, we get from time to time inklings to share our faith. How many of you, you you've had that? How many of you, even, you've even gone further where you've seen somebody sick and you've got an inkling to pray for them to be healed? Now, keep your hand up, keep your hand up. If you prayed for them, keep it up. If, you've, if there were times you did not pray when you felt it, put it down. Okay, so the rest of you, every time you felt it, you prayed for them. Hey, there's only one holy, holy man of God here who does it all the time. Me? There are times when, uh, pray for that one. I said, pray for that one. In the name of Jesus, I'm minding my own business. I'm not going to be a fool and go and pray for them and look like one. In the name of Jesus, I'm minding my own business. I'm very afraid. How many of you feel like that? Yeah, it's normal. But listen, your obedience results in a reward. Not the outcome. Not the outcome. It's, you, it's not the outcome that you're rewarded for because the Lord says one sows and another reaps, but all get their reward. It's your obedience. So anytime you do something that you believe God is asking you to do, you get rewarded. Now, beloved, please, I'm not talking about you're walking down the street and then you feel like God says pick that thing from the bin and then, and then, and then do that. I mean, how many of you have had that one as well? Where God says pick that up, now cross the road, now turn left. Now turn right. Now go and sit in that cafe. You sit there. Now get up. Order yourself a cappuccino. You order it. Now drink it. Stop drinking. Put it down. Walk out. Keep quiet. 
walk to that person over there and tell him, God says, I love you. Now, seriously, there is something going wrong. That's not how the spirit leads. I'm sorry. Now, when you're a young Christian, we allow you that kind of indulgence. We've all done it. Lord, if you love me, let the bus 177 pass. The next bus, let it be bus 177. And then as the seven, oh, thank you, Jesus. God, you love me. God, God didn't send 177. That's a coincidence. God loves you anyway. You don't need a 177 bus to pass. And then sometimes no bus passes. Oh, the bus that came was 113. Oh, or the bus number 13 came. Hey, that, that means God, I'm in judgment. No, 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 no. That's not, that's not how he leads. Are you still here? They do it for a perishable crown. But we are imperishable. Verse 26. Therefore I run thus, not with uncertainty. Thus I fight, not as one who beats the air. But I discipline my body and bring it into subjection. Lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. Paul the Apostle is showing us something. That no matter how gifted, no matter how anointed, you need to have focus. You need to have focus. You need to focus on the thing that God has placed before you. Because there are all kinds of opposition that will come your way. Some of the opposition, sometimes people are not appreciative of you. All your efforts, and they still don't see. They only see the things you've done wrong. Welcome to life. <laughs> but you stay focused. Now, as a church, we have an emphasis. It is our year to leap. Say, it's my year to leap. That's right. And for us, it is our year to do something we have not done before. It is our year to do something concerning our vision we have not done before. It is our year of faith and opportunity when it comes to God's will and his purpose. It is our year to stretch ourselves out of our comfort zone. Out of your comfort zone. So, for instance, for me, there are certain things I've put before me that this year I want to see. Now, in the natural, when you share it, it just seems ridiculous. But one year in CLS history, we planted physical churches, 16 one year. Another year, in fact, in a space of two years, we went from about 19 churches to 40 plus. God, at times, will cause an acceleration where things that you could not do, you will do. And I see you shining in 2017 as you leap forward. Where you've been stagnating, you will leap forward. Hallelujah. In Psalm 18, verses 29 to 34, he says this, For by you I can run against a troop. By my God, I can leap over a wall. By you, I can run through a troop. There might be a troop in front of you, an army in front of you. That seems immovable. But with God, you can run through a troop. Say, I will run through troops. Say, I will run through troops. One day, one of our members came to me and said, Pastor, I need you to pray for me. I need a job. And I said, they said they're been applying. I said, okay, what do you want? They told me. I said, okay, we're gonna, you will have what you want. They came back and said, I applied to 
10 places, nine of them came back. All of them offered me the job that I wanted. You will run through troops in Jesus' name. Yeah. There are certain barriers that must come down. He says, by my God, I will leap over walls. You see, this year to leap is not in your own strength. When we say that we are calling you to leadership, evangelism, and the power of God, it's not for you to operate in your own strength. For many of you, the invitation is we want you to make yourself available for leadership. Where you will say, I am going to lead, be a leader in this house. And then I am going to be a leader in the marketplace. We are calling you to equip you for leadership in this house. So that not for you to shine here and we shine and blinding each other with our brilliance. No. But so that you can shine where God has called you. In the school, in the workplace, in your home, with your family. Yeah. And this year, we're going to equip you. We're going to show you. I'm going to teach you how to lead somebody to Christ. So that you as a church member, you know how to lead. I'm going to show you how you, 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 say me, me, me. To, how you can cast out demons. How you can cast out the demons that are bothering you. And then bothering others. <laughs> These are simple things. I'm going to show you how you lay hands on the sick and you pray and they are healed. One day when I was teaching my dad some of these truths in Bible school, he looked at me and he said, I said, now dad, you're going to go out on, on, on the field and you're going to be casting down demons. He said, Joe, no, 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 no. I can't be doing that. He was terrified. I said, you're doing, if you don't do it, you're not graduating in this school. He said, oh, this boy. So he went on the mission field. When he came back, he said, Joe. So that's how he calls me, Joe. When, when things are well, he's Joe. When things are bad, he's Joseph. He said, I would stretch my heart and the demons would just they start spinning. And I said, come out. They're like, ah, no, we come out. Wow. You have to teach your whole church this. Now is the time. I'm teaching you this in Jesus' name. He says, ask for God. He says, ask for God. Ask for God. His way is perfect. The word of the Lord is proven. Ask for God. His way is perfect. The word of the Lord is proven. You see, when I hear people talk about the Bible is this and the Bible is that, I feel sorry for them because they have no idea. Our Lord Jesus once said to the Sadducees who were arguing with him about the resurrection, he said, you really are in error, not knowing the scriptures or the power of God. When you know the scriptures and you know the power of God, there is no atheistic argument that can unhinge you. No Islamic propaganda that can unhinge you. No circumstance that can unhinge you. No situation that comes your way that can unhinge you. Why? Because the word of the Lord is proven. He is a shield to all who trust in him. This is a year where you will grow in your trust in the Lord. I said this is a year where you will grow in your trust in the Lord. I'm bringing this to a conclusion and then we're going to pray. He says, for who is God except Yahweh? Or the Lord. Who is God except him? And who is a rock except our God? In other words, upon what can we build except our God? It is God, listen, it is God who arms me with strength. Listen to me. This is a year of leadership for you. This is a year of evangelism for you. This is a year of the power of God for you. But it is God who arms you with strength. 
You have to learn to trust in him. I see some of you operating in the healing power of God at levels that I have not operated. And right now, as I am talking, there are some of you that this word burns in your heart. It's like whenever you hear it, you know, that's me. Stand right now. I want to pray over you. Stand right now. I see some of you operating in the healing power that you have not seen. This year, you will bring testimonies. You will come to church, and people will follow you to church. They'll say, I'm coming to your church. And they live far. And don't say, no, go to the church nearby. Bring them. Some of that nonsense. Bring them. Lift up your hands. Lebru sikandeli gaga. Zandori agari igia daga. Zandori igia agaragada. Father, I pray for these that are standing. Over each one, let the heavens open. Let the healing stream of your spirit be released through them. I speak a grace to come upon them in the area of healing. Let faith arise in your hearts that as they step out in faith, you will confirm your word with healings. I speak healing power to flow through you. In the name of Jesus Christ. Say amen, somebody. The Lord bless you. Quickly, we are going to pray. I'm going to stop there. I'll pick it up and conclude next week. I want us to pray something very specific. I believe that as a church, we are entering into revival. We've been praying into, for revival a lot. And we are entering into revival. And that revival is going to mean a lot of people coming to the Lord. A lot of people getting saved. A lot of people needing discipleship. A lot of people needing to be taught the Bible. To be given Bible study. To be prayed for and so forth. And we need people who are ready to disciple people through cell groups, through Bible studies, through mentoring. We need people who will begin to say to the Lord, I'm available for this. I don't know how to do it. I'm available for it. I'm willing to be taught. I'm willing to be equipped. If that is you, I want to pray with you. I want you to stand where you are. If that is you, if you are saying, I get the witness, there's a revival coming. People are going to be saved. People are going to be needing discipleship. People are going to need empowering. I make myself available. Forget your fear. Forget your past. I'm talking to even those of you who already are cell leaders. I'm talking to you. I want you to make fresh commitments. If in your spirit you know God is saying to you, this year make yourself available. This year stand where you are. As you stand, raise your hands. This is so important. There are some of you who are sitting. In you, you believe you should, but you, you are hearing, I'm not ready. That's a lie. None of us are ready for what God is going to do. You are to make yourself available. I'm telling you. Specifically you. Yes. None of us are ready. Because what God is going to do is going to stretch all of us. But if you can believe it, some of you, you have a heart for God. You have a heart for God. And God sees your heart. Stand. Raise your hands quickly. I'm going to pray with you. Lift up your hands. And I want you to tell the Lord, 
Father, I make myself available to you. I make myself available to you. Tell him. Tell him, I make myself available to you. Not to even the church, to you, God. I make myself available to disciple others. Whether it's through cell groups, whether it's through Bible studies, whether it's through mentoring, I make myself available to you. Father, I speak your life and your strength and your grace upon everyone that is standing here and those online who are doing the same. Lord, as we commit our hearts and set our hearts in this way, let a fresh oil, a fresh anointing come upon us in the name of Jesus. Amen. I want all of us to remain standing. We're going to pray. I want us to pray specifically for the Alpha course that begins this week. Can you bring me some of the leaflets, please? I want us to pray that God is going to use that course to... Uh, Save souls. When I was praying in my heart, I felt like I should believe God for 50 people to be added to his church. Not necessarily Greenwich Church, not necessarily Archer, but to his church. And I'm very comfortable with 25 going to Ixthus and 25 going to Emmanuel uh, um, um, Church. I'm very comfortable with that. It's not about them coming to Sierra, but I feel like we must pray that God will bless this Alpha course. So right now, I want you to pray. But I want you to, if you're a guest with us, you don't have to do this, but I want you to pray in agreement with somebody. So just group up in twos and threes and just share with them what you want God to do in this Alpha course. And specifically, I want you to bring a name of somebody you would like to take to the Alpha course and see safe through the Alpha course, and then pray into that. So quickly share. If you don't know the person, introduce yourself, and then share. If you're a guest and you don't want to pray with anyone, you can take your seat. Or if you don't want to pray with anyone, you can take your seat. But otherwise, pray together quickly, and then we'll continue.